Rock Church, how's everybody doing? You guys good today? I hope you're doing great. Hope you're having an awesome Sunday morning. So I want to welcome everybody here at our Conway location. Also want to give a shout out right now uh, to anybody who's watching online or on demand. Will y'all give it up for everybody who's watching online or on demand? Like I, I love our online community. Uh, just last service, we had uh, one, of, uh, one of the students from Coastal who attends our church who was taking a step of baptism, and his mom, who lives in a different state, she was able to watch her son take that step. So, so uh, yeah, so it's, it's one of the many, many reasons why I love our online community. We had some people at our last service as well who are from Canada who are vacationing at the beach because right now they think the water's warm here. Right, but when they're not here vacationing, they watch from Canada every week. So, so I love our online community and our on-demand community. So thankful for you guys, and thankful if you are new with us that you're here today. Definitely want to invite you to connect with us uh, through the connect wall in the lobby or through a new here tent. All right, now there, there's a couple things I got to say before we dive into the message. One, just a reminder of what Andrew and Brooke were saying earlier that Easter is. Is coming this week, uh, that we've got all kinds of different things with Easter planned. And a couple I want to make sure you remember is one, we're having a Saturday night service. And some of you I know are going to be traveling on Sunday, or you're going to go to visit family on Sunday. Come and worship with us Saturday night. It's at five o'clock and we do that service because we know Sunday can be crazy here, but also because so many people travel. So definitely want to invite you to Saturday night. Also want to remind you about baptism. Now, now our, our baptistry has water in it all the time. So people can take the step of baptism here anytime they want. But on Easter weekend, we do have a, an emphasis on baptism. And if you're interested in taking that step, you should. All right, let me make it real clean and real clear for anybody who's middle school, high school, or above. If you're thinking about it, that means you should do it, all right? So, so you can talk to us or just go on the app and sign up. We'd love to help you take that step. And then the last thing is there's probably a few cards left either in your chairs or at the doors as you leave. We really want to invite you to, to take some invite cards and hand them out to your friends. The reality is the best form of evangelism, the best form of helping somebody come to church is through a personal invitation. We have to remember when the gospel spread like wildfire, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have social media ads, they didn't have billboard ads, they didn't have newspaper ads. What they had was somebody looked somebody in the eye and said, let me tell you about Jesus. So I want to encourage you, take a card and go look at somebody this week and say, hey, I'd love to help you connect with Jesus. I'd love to have you come to, to church with me on Easter, all right? So, so that's happening. One last little thing, and I love this about today. I don't know if you've noticed, but normally there's screens on the side, all right? And, and today there's no screens. And, and part of the reason for that is if you have noticed our screens suck. 
right? Like, like if you've ever noticed, like, like they look like junk and, and they have for a while because we've been waiting to get them repaired. We weren't going to invest good money into our old projectors. So we actually have some boxes in the back of the room that are getting installed tomorrow. So we had to go ahead and prep it. And uh, so, so for those of you in Conway, you weren't able to look at the screens today, but here's what that means. Every one of you is looking at me right now. And I love that. Because normally what happens if you sit up front, you look at me and everybody else is staring at a screen. You're like, I don't want to make eye contact with the preacher. Well, today is the day. And it's an important day for that. Because we're going to talk about some tough stuff today. And I want us to be able to just look each other eye to eye. And this whole series, we've dealt with tough stuff. This whole series, we've been, we've been talking about things that cause us to maybe walk away from faith or cause us, us to deconstruct our faith. And we said we wanted to rebuild faith and reconnect, uh, reconstruct our faith. And so we've dealt with some difficult topics because we say these are real. And I don't want you to, to deal with these topics and just only look at Google for the answer. I want you to be able to be at church where you can have real conversation, where we can have real discussion on topics that, that can be tough. Things like, well, is the Bible real? Is it true? And so we looked at it with this kind of if-then, this kind of cause and, and a, a reaction kind of thing of if the Bible is true, then we should trust it. We, we said that, that if it is wrong, then this is why I actually feel this way. We, we've said that last week, if the church is the bride, then why is it so ugly at times? And we came to the conclusion it's because none of us are perfect. We haven't been perfected yet. Uh, today, we want to hit what I believe is the, the hardest one of all of them that we're going to deal with. If God is good, then why is there pain? Like, if God is good, then why is there pain and suffering in my life and in the world? And it kind of starts with even asking the question, is God good? If, if God is good, and, and if we're honest, we, we probably all have different opinions about what good is, right? Like, how many of y'all would say ice cream is good? Yeah, I'm with you, right? Now, some of you are lactose intolerant. You're like, no, it's not good, right? What about this? How many of you all think Krispy Kreme is good? Yeah, like if your hand's not up, then I'm worried about you. <laughs> but we would have different opinions, right? Like Diet Coke is good. You know that about me, right? Like, like we would say that, but, but what about God? Is God good? Well, what does good even mean? Well, if you go to Webster's or dictionary.com or any of those places on the internet, it'll say this about good. Good means to be desired, to have qualities required for a task, having moral character, giving pleasure or satisfaction. And if you look at that definition, this is the definition of good, then some things that we think are good don't fit the definition. Like, I love a good Krispy Kreme, but Krispy Kreme doesn't have moral character. 
It might give pleasure, but it doesn't have character, right? Like, like we, could, we could talk about that with pretty much any of those. But what about God? Is God to be desired? Does he have the qualities required for the task? Does he have moral character? Does he give pleasure or satisfaction? And I know as I look out at the crowd at Conway that, that many of you would say, yes, he does. But some of you would say, I don't know. Some of you would say, I don't think so. Because you would say, if God was good, then why would there be pain? Because if he has moral character, then how can he allow kids in Nashville to be shot? Right? If God is good, then, then how can he allow tornadoes to rip through Mississippi and Iowa and Illinois and Indiana and destroy people's lives? If God is good, then, then how could he ha allow a, an earthquake to kill thousands in the country of Turkey? Like, this is real. And my guess is that you've asked that question or you've had friends or family who have asked that question. How could God be good and allow that? Or maybe for you, it is much more personal. If God is good, then why does my child have cancer? If God is good, then why did I have a miscarriage? If God is good, then... Why did my dad leave? If God is good, then why, why did that injury ruin my career? Or did I get fired from my job? If God is good, then why did he allow that person to take advantage of me or to molest me or to rape me? If God is good, then why did my loved one die tragically or suddenly, right? Like I said, today's not easy. It's real. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to make a promise for it to you. I am not going to try to give you a one-liner today that makes everything feel good that we can all just skip on out of here. Because that would not be real, truthful, or very loving. Because pain is real. And there's some people who say, I just can't believe in a God who would allow that. I can't reconcile that to faith and to a good God. Some of you are like, I can't understand why God would allow this bad, this evil to happen in my life. So what do we do with it? Because is God good? Well, according to scripture, he is. Like the psalmist says this, it's Psalm 168. He says, you are good. And what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. That, that the psalmist, this is David writing this. That he says that God, you are good. That what you do is good. That, that everything about you your character, your essence, your core is good. And everything you do is good. Like, like 
Like, let's ask that question. Does, is, is God good at the core? Well, well, David in the Old Testament say it. The Apostle John in the New Testament says it. He says, this is the message we heard from Jesus. So this isn't just John giving you his opinion. This is John saying, Jesus said this about God. He said, Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. That everything about God is good. That his nature is good. His core is good. His essence is good. That in God there is light. There is no darkness. There is no evil. There is no wrongdoing. That darkness can't survive in him because God is perfect. He is light. He is, he is good at his core. That, that I would probably say it this way, that he is not just good at his core, he is the standard of good. And we struggle coming up with the standard of good. Because remember, or just earlier I said, some of us think Krispy Kreme is good, some of us don't. Some of us think our sports teams are good. Some of us think they're not. That, that our standard of good is off. We'll say, well, that restaurant is good. Well, according to whose standards? Uh, people have said this about me, that, that Josh, your golf game is good. All right, now, if you know me, you know I love golf. Like, it's what I do with all of my spare time. I love to golf. And some people would say that, that I'm pretty good at golf, all right? Like, let's put it this way. We have two other pastors on our staff, uh, Clay Finkley and Andrew Sally. They both love to golf. And my golf game compared to their golf game is very good. <laughs> like, 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 it's really good, okay? But... But at the same time, we have four guys from Coastal's golf team who attend church. I, I actually got to baptize two of them at the 10 o'clock service, all right? It was so much fun. Yeah, it's awesome, all right? But, but my golf game compared to their golf game, I'm not very good. And then this week, on Thursday... I get to, to live a lifelong dream uh, on Thursday and Friday. I get to go to Augusta and spend time watching the Masters, okay? Like, I am fired up, all right? But my golf game compared to their golf game, I suck, <laughs> right? Like, what's the standard of good? God. He's the only standard. He is light. In him is no darkness. He is good, and he does good. That, that we can see it. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, so if you sinful people, and when he says that, he's talking about us. He says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? That Jesus, God, wants to give good gifts to you. And here's the reality. He does. Everything that you have that is good is a gift from God. The food on your table, the, the roof over your head, the money in your pocket, the, the, the air in your lungs, it's all a gift of God. 
that the, the writer of James, his name is James, he was actually the half-brother of Jesus, he said this. He said, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heavens. He never changes or casts shifting shadows. Now, that what James is trying to say here is, listen, God was good in the beginning and he's good today. Nothing changes. Everything he does, everything you have is a good gift from God. And then he goes on, he says this, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we out of all creation became his prized possession. I mean, think about that. Out of all creation, you are his prized possession. The writer of Psalms said that you are the apple of God's eye. I mean, think about how crazy that is. That when God looks at you, you're the apple. You're the one that he sees. He loves you as a prized possession. The good God loves us as people who are not good. See, this the reality is he gives us good gifts even though we're not good. We might want to do good and we should, but we're not good. But he is. And he proved his goodness by coming and dying for us. Look at Romans. It's just a beautiful section of scripture. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. At just the right time, he came and he died for us. Most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ for us while we're still sinners. That while we were still sinners, while we were still running away from God, while we were still yelling at God, while we were still flipping God off, God sent his son to die on the cross for us. That's how good God is. It's why we call next Friday Good Friday. And we might say, how can it be good? Because a good God came and died for those of us who are not very good. Amen? That's what he did. You might say, okay, Josh, I, I, get, I get that part of the story. But if he's that good, then why is there still pain? I get it. Because the pain is still real. Because junk is still real. Because life still happens. I get it. Like I said, I'm not going to try to make this part of the sermon easy, but I hope to give you some hope and some truth. And what I'm going to say is going to sound weird, but God is good, yet there's still pain because of love. You might say, whoa, 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 whoa. what are you talking about? You're saying Pain exists because of love? Yes. God is good. Well, then why is there pain? 
because of love. Pain exists because of love. And, and to explain that, I got to go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. That when, when God created everything, he created, created the stars and the moon and the sun, that, that God created all things, that, that he created everything, all right? That, that, that he created the, the, the animals, he created the plants, he created it all. And he created mankind, Adam and Eve. And then when he took Adam and Eve, he placed them in the garden and he looked at them and he said, this is very good. This is very good. And when he was saying very good, is he talking about Adam and Eve? Yes, but so much more. That, 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 that God is looking at all of his creation, and he's seeing Adam and Eve, and he's seeing the garden, he's seeing the trees, he's seeing everything, and he's saying, this is good. Well, why is it good? Because he created it all as an act of love. That he placed Adam and Eve in the garden as an act of love. That he created all the stuff as an act of love. That he placed the tree of good and evil in the garden and told them not to eat of it in an act of love. And you might go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, why, would he, why would he put that tree that he knew would be bad that they would possibly eat from and they would, it would bring sin into the world? How can that be an act of love? And the reason it's an act of love is because he was giving Adam and Eve the opportunity to choose to worship, to choose to serve, to choose to obey. Because he could have put them in the garden. He could have removed that tree and said, you have no choice but to love me. But a love that is forced is no love at all. A love that is forced is not love. All you got to do is, is go watch the movie Aladdin to figure that out. Right? Like some of you remember a long time ago, there was a movie Aladdin. And, and the genie said, I can't make her love you. Why not? Because that's not love. And God could have forced us to follow him, but that's not love. So instead, he gave us a choice. And with that choice, what we chose to do as people was love ourselves and the world more than we love God. And we went and we took from that tree. And when we did so, we brought pain into the world. We brought pain into the creation. We brought pain into our life. And pain exists today because we chose sin. And every time we sin, what it does, the consequence of sin brings pain into our lives or into the lives of others. And, and we can get rid of that pain. Here's the way to get rid of that pain. Get rid of choice. And if we get rid of choice, we will eliminate pain, but we will also eradicate love. And you might say, well, that'll be worth it. Well, it'll happen. Just not yet. See, I, I would go back to pain and I would say this, that pain exists because of love. But pain also remains because of love. Because we might say, well, I, I want pain to be gone. One day it will be. 
But it hasn't happened yet. And the reason it hasn't happened yet is because of love. That pain remains because of love. That, that, that here's the reality, that one day Jesus is going to set everything right and a new heaven and a new earth is going to take place and there'll be no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering, no more cancer, no more dementia, no more of any of that junk. Praise God. But that day hasn't hit yet. Why? Because of love. Scripture says that he's not slow in keeping his promises, but he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to eternal life. See, see, the reality is that if we don't come to eternal life, if we don't surrender to Jesus, that we don't just have earthly pain, we have eternal pain. And what Jesus is saying is that he's not slow in keeping his promises. He is patient because he doesn't want you to have eternal pain. So he'll allow earthly pain for a while to hopefully save everybody from an eternal pain. Because he wants all men, all women, all mankind to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So pain remains as an act of love. So if it exists because of love and remains because of love, well, then what do we do with it in the meantime? We grow and we hope. Because we're all going to get our turn with tragedy. We're all going to get our time with pain. We're all going to have to deal with suffering. When it happens in your life, use it as an opportunity to grow. And I know that, again, that, that's not soft and pretty, None of us are going to sit here and go, oh, I can't wait till I'm in pain so I can grow. Like, like back when, I don't know whoever came up with it, somebody used to always say, no pain, no gain. Right? You remember that? I guarantee some strength coach in a wrestling room came up with that stupid line. All right? Because none of us go, yeah. No, we're all like, uh, I'll just stay away from pain. But the reality is that God can take that pain and he can use it to grow us, and to help us. Romans says it this way. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. The next verse reads like this. It says, and endurance develops strength of character. And our character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. That, that I want you to break down that verse. And, and in, in that verse, here, here's what, it, what it's saying is that, that when we deal with pain, it brings endurance. It brings perseverance. It brings, a modern day term I'd say is grit. It helps us to endure. It also helps us in our character. It gives us character. It also helps us with hope. And again, none of us want that, but God will use that pain to develop those things in our life. Now, when I say that, I want to be real careful here. 
God doesn't cause pain so that those things happen. If anybody's telling you that God causes the pain, I would question their theology. And what I would really say is probably what they've done is they've, they've stopped short on Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans 8, 28, it'll read this way on the screen. It, it says this. It says, and we know that God causes everything. He didn't cause that. I can promise you that. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. Go ahead and throw that verse up there. I'm going to stay with you guys today, Cade. Okay? That, that, and we know that God causes everything, right? Like, like we would think, did God just cause that? No. Did God know what was going to happen? Yes. Because he's sovereign. But, but here's our problem. We stop. We put a period at the end of the everything. But if you'll notice, there's no period there. It says God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That he causes things to work together. That God doesn't cause the problems. That God doesn't cause the sin. That God doesn't cause the trials. Evil does. Somebody who sins does. We, when we sin, do. But God takes it and he uses it for good. Let me try to explain that by telling you a story of someone in our church. That um, I'm just curious, how many of y'all remember the, the eclipse that was six years ago? Like, you know, the big eclipse that we all kind of bought funky glasses for, right? We all kind of went out and watched it. Well, for those of you who were in Conway at the time, you, you might remember it. I remember it. I remember the eclipse. I remember uh, what I was doing that day. I, I remember standing over at C3. And as I was at C3, I was standing on the outside and we're all watching the eclipse and all of a sudden, I hear all kinds of sirens. There was a bank that was being robbed a block away from the church. And while it was being robbed, there was two ladies who were both killed inside the bank. One of those ladies, her husband attends our church and her daughters attend our church. Two weeks ago, I had a chance to sit down with one of those daughters. Her name is Katie. And uh, I sat with her and, her and her husband. And I said, Katie, I'm, I'm getting ready to have to stand in front of the church and say, if God is good, then why is there pain? And, and I would sit here and say that God is good. But I didn't go through what you went through. Would you still say God is good? Like, how do you feel about me preaching that message? And we just sat, we were at our coastal campus and we sat in one of the small group rooms and she cried and I cried and we sat there with her husband cried. We were just sitting there and she said, Josh, you know, that day is hell. That day hurts. That day is painful. And every day since that day, there is pain. But she says, I, I had to make a decision. 
What was I going to do with my pain? Was I going to try to deal with it myself or was I going to take it to God? Was I going to blame God? And, and she said, you know, I, I came from a place of faith. So I'd always known God was my father, that he called himself my dad. So I thought, if you're going to call, if you're going to call yourself my dad, then I'm going to see what kind of dad you are right now. You say you're good. Well, what's going on in my life is not good. And she's right. What was happening was not good. But she said, I was going to trust that God was good and I was going to treat him as a dad. So I went to him with every raw emotion I had. That I yelled at him. That I, that I cried at him. I screamed at him. She said, there was days I felt like I just climbed up into his lap and I just cried on his shoulder. There was days I climbed up in his lap and looked him in the eye and just said, why? And I gave him every raw emotion I had. And through it, I saw the goodness of God. Little things came flooding to my mind. Like, like the last day I got to be with my mom. This is her words. She said, you know, I'd been watching church online. My mom, my dad, they'd been going to church, but I'd been watching online. So, so I, I, that morning I got up to watch online, but, but, but I just felt like God prompted me saying, no, go to church today. So I got dressed and I went to church and I didn't know why, but we were there and we're all sitting in one row. We're all worshiped together. We, we, we studied God's word together. We left there. We went to lunch together. And I just had a beautiful family day. And now hindsight, that was the last time I was with my mom. And that's the goodness of God showing up in my life. She said, you know, my mom, while she was at work, had her journal with her. And, and with her journal... She said she was writing while she was at, at work, while she was at the bank, and, and she was writing down about the eclipse. And she had done some research, and she wrote in her journal, at the next eclipse, I'll be this of this age. And then she said, at the last eclipse, and wrote this in her journal, the very last thing she wrote down, the last eclipse was when I gave my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I'm thankful for salvation. I want you to think about this. Oh, sure, her, her, her daughters and her husband knew that she was saved and all that. But to be able to look at your mom's journal and to see her very last words were, I know where I'll spend eternity. That's the goodness of God. And she said, so through it all, I gave all kinds of emotion to God. But I just saw where he just kept showing up. And he was growing me to be more like him. And I was holding on to hope. And she said, and Josh, it hadn't been easy. That day changed my life. And then she went on to say this. I'll never forget it. It was one of the most beautiful gospel presentations I ever heard. And she said, one man, one man made a decision to do evil that day. And his one decision has affected my life, my dad's life, my sister's life, my, my future husband's life, my, 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 
my child's life who will never get to meet her grandmother because her mom wasn't there to, to watch her walk down the aisle. Her mom wasn't there as she's now pregnant to, to hold her hand through her pregnancy. She said, one man's decision to do evil has affected so many lives. But then in her same breath, she said this, and one man's decision named Jesus has affected everybody's life for good. Everybody's life. Said one man's decision to do evil has affected many lives, but one man's decision to do good and to die on a cross and rise from the dead has affected everybody's life. So God is still good even in the midst of my pain and because of that she holds on to hope and I invite you to hold on to hope as well I invite you to just receive the words of Romans 8 verse 18 says I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy of comparing with the glory that will be revealed in Jesus or revealed in us I love it. I was talking to Will's dad, who's our South Strand campus pastor. He was saying that word consider there. In the Greek, it means to take inventory. That Paul was saying, I've taken inventory of all the pain in my life, and it doesn't compare to the hope, to the glory that will be revealed. He goes on, uh, the, the writer goes on and says this, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing. So hold on to hope in the middle of hurt because he is good. And he loves you even in the midst of pain. So I'm gonna invite you during this time of response, maybe come up to the front and take communion. There's communion to the right and to the left.
and maybe grab that cup of juice and just go to Jesus and take that piece of bread, take that cup of juice and say, I'm gonna trust that you're good even though I'm in pain. And maybe for you today, it's talking to a prayer counselor. We'll have a, a couple over here in this connect corner and we'll have a couple over in that connect corner. And if you need to pray with somebody, we're here to pray with you, to hold you, to just to walk alongside of you. And maybe today what you're wanting to say is, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior because what you realize is there is an eternal pain that you don't want to suffer. And yes, Jesus won't keep us from earthly pain, but he can save you from eternal pain. And if you need to surrender your life to him, today's the day. So I'm gonna invite you, go ahead and stand with me. And I want you to spend time responding today. Believing he is good. He is good. And he does good. Even though there is pain. Don't run away from him. Go to him as your dad. And give him the pain because he is all you need. He's all you need. He's all you need. Jesus, we come before you right now. Offering this up to you. Giving you everything. Heal where there is hurt. In your name. Amen. Let's worship.